Welcome to Bite Size Seminary. Here we discuss issues in biblical studies, theology, ministry engagement, and following Jesus. I'm J.C. Schroeder. I'm an instructor at the Ezekiel Project School of Evangelism and a THM student at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. If you want to be challenged by new ideas and encouraged by old ones, then keep listening. Today, Dr. Catherine McDowell joins me to talk about her new book, The Rewards of Learning Greek and Hebrew, co-authored with Philip Towner. We had a fantastic conversation. That was a real joy for me. We talk about why Christians should learn the biblical languages and some strategies and resources to do so. She shows how learning the languages can have a tremendous spiritual advantage as well for our lives. All the resources are going to be linked in the show notes below, so be sure to check those out along with Dr. Bedal's book. One final thing, please consider giving a review or even sharing this podcast with a friend. You can also sign up to receive episodes emailed directly to you at bitesizeseminary.com. You can also contact me on my website or connect with me on Facebook or Twitter. All right, let's dive in. All right, well, welcome. Today we have on the podcast with us Dr. Catherine McDowell, who's a associate professor of Old Testament at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and we're just glad to have you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So you have a new book coming out. Is it out already or is it coming out? It in is. Weeks? It is out now. Yeah. I just checked this morning to make sure that it was available, but it is now. So Sweet, sweet. And, and yeah. it's called The Rewards of Learning Greek and Hebrew, Discovering the Richness of the Bible in Its Original Languages. And you co-authored that with Philip Towner. I love the biblical languages, and uh, I'm just excited for all kinds of resources like this one that you know advocate for us to study scripture in, in its original languages. Wonderful. So, yeah. So Fantastic. maybe just before we get into the book, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, sure. yeah, we'll start there. Okay. Well, as you mentioned, I teach at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we have campuses and other locales as well. I teach the first year Hebrew course, which I love teaching. Sometimes professors like to move on to upper level. I do teach upper level as well, but I all, I love teaching first year Hebrew and request to do it. So it's just been a wonderful experience of watching students realize for themselves the, the richness and the depth of God's word when they can access it in those original languages and learn how to really use the tools that go with them. So I love teaching Hebrew. I teach exegesis as well in Genesis and prophets. And then I'm in, involved in a few other things, seminary related, working with a seminary in Northern Haiti, actually in Capetia, specifically Milo. Uh, brand new. We're just starting out with our first Hebrew class. So we're wow. halfway through the year with those students. It's about 20 some wonderful, eager, sharp students. And it's just a pleasure to be working with them. They're really they energize me, actually. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. And that's because um, I think of, well, we'll probably mention this later, of the amount of resources that we have to learn the biblical mm -hmm. languages here in America, but elsewhere throughout the world, you know, there's not a lot of access. So I think that's just a wonderful, wonderful yeah. uh, ministry. And there's so much eagerness to learn and mm -hmm. to dig in. And so it's 
it's thrilling to see that and to see how excited they are and how hard they work. Hmm. So it's, it's a pleasure for me to be involved. I don't consider it work at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Wonderful. Well, let's talk about your book a little bit, The Rewards of Learning Greek and Hebrew. Can you just describe a little bit of the goal of the book, who's it for, and the overall structure, maybe? Sure, yeah. We're targeting folks who have not studied Greek or, or Hebrew, or have not studied at least one of those languages, and showing them by kind of case study or example why it matters, what kind of difference it makes. And we're honest, you know, we're clear that you can be a Christian and not know a stitch of Greek or Hebrew mm. uh, and be a very faithful follower of Jesus. Our English Bibles are good and they're reliable, but there is something lost in translation. And that's true, you know, whatever you're studying. If you're studying any work of poetry or literature in translation, you are reading someone's interpretation of that. And so I'll never forget my first New Testament interpretation class. My professor told me that you've never actually read the Bible. You've only read an interpretation of the Bible. And he was, <laughs> he was overstating it to, to, to on purpose to encourage us to kind of look at it with fresh eyes and to really use our original language tools that we, in the language we'd learn. But, but I know that there is some truth in that. And so in this book, we're trying to just peel the curtain back a little bit and let folks see the differences that it makes to read it in the original. And to me, you know, studying Hebrew involves a lot of work or Greek involves a lot of hours and a commitment on the part of the student. But the benefits that you reap are just, you know, for me, like a hundredfold. And so we're, we're really trying to encourage those who are considering it to make the leap, but also those who maybe have, have been teaching Bible for a long time or aspire to, whether they want to be a PhD or a professor or not, even if they want to teach a local community Bible study or in the church, that it's still worth learning the languages for that kind of ministry. It's not just reserved for people in seminary or people who are doing a PhD. It's also for pastors. So this book is written for pastors who may not know the languages, but who really would consider making that investment, not just in themselves, but in their congregations, mm -hmm. in their ministry. Yeah. And the way it's laid out, so there's 10 kind of case studies in Hebrew, and I believe about the same number in Greek that were written by Phil Towner. And each one is designed to just give you a little window into the difference it makes to read the Bible in the original language. And these are framed by some quotes or almost like mini testimonies from students who have actually studied Greek and Hebrew, both uh, young people, young adults, but also people that have come back to seminary as a second career, or maybe a retired person who says, I really want some theological education. So we're not targeting, targeting a specific age group. It's more anyone who wants to kind of take a step further in their study of scripture. And so those are designed to encourage people you know, to hear from a real live student, someone who has taken that journey and survived and can speak from personal experience that it was well worth it. Hmm. I think that's helpful because sometimes when you, your professor or when a scholar tells you it's worth it, you know, the average person can go, yeah, but is it really? Whereas if you get, you know, someone who's been in the trenches more recently or mm -hmm. just as you know, has seen it used practically is right, more of yeah. an encouragement for people. 
Yeah, for sure. And the quotes aren't just from PhD students or professors. We we really wanted more from pastors and people who are using these languages in ministry. So you can use them in academia for sure, but you can also use them. They're very practical for ministry. Not er Most people will tell you that's not true, but I want you to try it for yourself. <laughs> I want to try to convince people. It actually is very practical for ministry. And I've seen it in my own teaching, my own life. I say that learning Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic while we're at it is, it's most, the most underrated way of spiritual, it's probably the most underrated mode of spiritual formation. Mm. I have found it to be such a boost in my spiritual growth and my students say the same. And so, you know, it's funny to read your course evaluations at the end of the term and to hear students testify about how much their relationship with the Lord has grown by studying Hebrew. Hmm. Don't really, a lot of people wouldn't expect that, but I, I do now expect it because the Lord does that. Um, yeah. I, for my own personal experience with that is when I was doing my second year of Hebrew and my undergrad, and we were working through the book of Jonah and mm -hmm. the story of Jonah, like everybody knows, but like no one actually knows the story, I feel like. Of, yeah. of how rich and how beautiful and how convicting that story was. And I don't know, for, I, I guess I'm just a dummy, but learning, reading it in Hebrew <laughs> and slowing down to that really yeah. had an impact on me and my own spiritual mm -hmm. life. And just, you know, I felt much closer to the Lord and you yeah. know, he convicted me. And yeah, so it was a huge, yeah. huge benefit to me. That's great. It does force you to slow down and you see details that you didn't see before because you're either so familiar with the story that it's just easy to miss them in your own language. Yeah. Yeah. I love how, maybe this is too many examples from Jonah, but I just love how he, the Lord tells him to, to get up and to go so quickly right at the beginning. And then he, he, he goes like the exact language is used if he, he leaves it and he flees away from the Lord, exactly what yeah. the Lord wants him to do to the opposite direction. Then he goes down, down, down. Yeah. So. Another thing I think that's really important to point out to people is you know, I, my, one of my presuppositions is that I believe scripture is God's word and it, that it's inspired by God. And therefore, even the grammar and the syntax is part, it falls under mm -hmm. that inspiration. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the content, content, but it's the way things are said. And so some of my students, when they're thinking of preaching on a passage, you know, trying to determine what is the author's main point. Most of the time, if you pay attention to the grammar and the syntax, you can see what that main point is quite clearly. And often it's, it's not always as noticeable in English. And so it, it really is quite practical in terms of helping you understand how to get, how to get behind the author's message rather than kind of creating your own message out of a text, get behind the author's message and promote that. And again, through, through discovering literary devices and certain grammatical um, and syntactical relationships, the author's emphasis becomes much more clear and it's really important in terms of ministry. Do you have a favorite example, maybe from your book or the one that you go to for um, you know, selling, learning Hebrew or the biblical languages? It's hard to pick one, <laughs> but I can. <laughs> um, there are, for example, when Adam and Eve eat from the fruit in Genesis 2, Genesis 3, and it, the way that the, um, I'm just going to pull up the page here, the way that it's written is quite, um, 
illustrative of what mm -hmm. was actually happening. And so in chapter two, we have a pretty lengthy description of the Garden of Eden, of, you know, the flora, the, the, the water. It, it's just this beautiful, beautiful place where God dwells with his people. But as soon as the fruit is, as soon as Eve eats the fruit, it's not, it's a very quick, short description. This mm. four consecutive, what we call vayiktol verbs. And it's she, I'm, I'm just recalling it from memory here, but she um, saw, she took, she ate, and she gave to her husband. And mm. it's boom, 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 boom. And it's as if the way it's written, like since grammatically, it's, it's like they're falling off a cliff, right? We've had this lengthy description going, you know, again, of the garden. And it's not, it's not a rapid pace that you're, you're kind of leisurely reading about this description of the garden, but the fall itself or the, the, the eating the fruit and having their eyes open happens so quickly that as the reader, before you can say, no, stop, the deed is done. Mm. And, 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 and they're, they're kind of at the bottom of that cliff. And so that happens a lot in, in biblical narrative where the pace of the language changes because something significant is happening. You know, the, the author can communicate the speed at which something dramatic happens. And this is the same with Esau. When Esau trades his birthright and he eats the stew, he, he says he eats it. And I, I forgot the exact order of the verbs now, but but it happened so quickly. Again, after this lengthy kind mm. of slower description of the conversation with he and his brother, and then it, the deed is done so quickly. And I think again, it's four consecutive verbs. And it just all, it is like all of a sudden that the, you went into fifth gear. And so that's, that's just a couple examples, but you know, okay, so it's interesting, but I think that it actually does impact and inform us as to if we're going to teach and preach on this passage, what do we need to emphasize as well? Like it mm. kind of clues us in, right, to what the author is emphasizing and what the author is highlighting. So that's just one example. And I do talk about that in the book as well. Yeah, that's a great example. And I love how um, seeing the emphasis of where scripture and where the Lord and the human authors have placed mm -hmm. their emphasis. Yes. And that's really where our own emphasis should be because a lot of times mm -hmm. we can come to the text with, I want to say something, and that's yes. not what that text says. Uh, right. and that's not right, what scripture right. says, and we don't want to exactly. use scripture as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to replace God's message with our own. So I think mm. it's really critical that we understand the author's agenda, both the human author and ultimately God's, God is the author, the Holy Spirit. And we want to promote his word, not our own. Right. And so yeah, the amen. grammar helps us, understanding the grammar helps us do that. That's why I love grammar and syntax. <laughs> People think, oh, it sounds so boring. I'm like, no, it's so rich. It's so rich. And it really does make such a huge impact on yourself and also in your teaching and preaching. Hmm. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Of yeah. what resources would you suggest um, for uh, someone that wants to take that next step? They've, mm -hmm. they've, they've bought your book. They've read your book. They're, they're convinced they need to learn the languages. What resources could they do? Maybe maybe they do want to do a seminary education, or maybe they're not mm -hmm. able to. What resources are out there for them to learn the biblical languages? Yes. So as you mentioned earlier, we're very fortunate in the English-speaking world that there really is quite a wealth of 
good material, not even just information, but actually good material. Mm. So of course you can always come study with me at Gordon Conwell, which would be really fun. And we do teach in person, but we also teach live on Zoom. So mm. I have a good time with students. There are textbooks that you can purchase that some of them come with videos for instruction. I do find learning the language on your own, I think it's quite difficult. There are people who can do it if they're, if they're kind of introverts and they are very disciplined and focused and motivated. But part of what I do in my classes, and I'm sure other faculty do this as well, is in addition to meeting with me, my students all meet in small groups with the TA. And those groups are for review, but they're also kind of relational building. Mm. Um, and so people get to know each other through their common suffering, I suppose, <laughs> in learning a language. So I would encourage you, if you, if you do want to do it kind of at your own pace with a textbook, if there's someone you know that could do it with you, that does make a big difference. The ones I can think of, like Zondervan's published one, Miles Van Pelt and Gary Pratico, The Bas Basics of Biblical Hebrew, is one that I use. But there are several really good first-year Hebrew books out there. Mark Furtado, uh, Dwayne Garrett, I remember all the authors. And there are also a number of other, if you find you're needing more motivation, there's some other books that are also designed or, or resources that are designed to help you, such as Daily Dose of Hebrew, Daily Dose of Greek. These are free and Those you can are sign up. to me when I was a student. Aren't they wonderful? Yeah. They're really wonderful. So they um, basically translate a verse per sh a really short video. They'll walk you through it. And it's after you've had some Greek and Hebrew, you would need a little bit first, but you can subscribe and have it delivered to your inbox, or you could just go to the website. So I've used those in some of my courses as well. And then I created for my students all the vocabulary for the textbook I use, the third edition, and it's on Memorize and it's on Quizlet and it's free. I, I don't have it, you know, behind a password. Anyone can use it. So if you're a student at a, at a school where you're using that textbook, the Miles Van Pelt, Gary Pratico textbook, find that those flashcards and it includes audio on Memrise and on uh, Quizlet. And my students, this is the, when I created those, that was the first time that students weren't asking me, how can I learn my vocabulary? This is so hard. <laughs> um, so apparently the Quizlet and the Memrise really does help because as soon as I made those, I stopped getting those requests from students for more help with vocab. Hmm. So apparently that's effective. Yeah, when I remember when I was a first year Hebrew student, one of my classmates brought Quizlet to my attention. I'd never seen it before. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I was using the the paper the paper flashcards, yeah. and my bag was super heavy. And then yeah, it, that was yeah. Uh, yeah light bulb moment. <laughs> yeah, and those all have apps, right? So you can even put them on your phone or your tablet, so it's easy to carry them around. And I too learned from flashcards. There is something good about writing the words. So I think a combination of things works for that. But yes, there are so many good resources out there now. And they're um, like, I think Zondervan or InterVarsity has Seminary Now classes. And then mm -hmm. Bible Mesh is another place you can take Hebrew. But again, the, the main thing I would encourage people who, who may be ready to look into that would be find a way to take it where you can do it with someone. Because it's just so hard on your own. You kind of need mm. that encouragement. Yeah. Let me maybe ask a, a side nerdy question. Uh, sure. what, do, what do you think of the, the like living language approach where you learn to not mm. only read biblical Hebrew and Greek, but also speak it in a, yes. almost a conversational way? What do you think about that approach? 
Yeah. So Randall Booth is kind of the, I guess, the founder of of this. And he's and it's does Brian Schmidt work with him as well? Is that I don't know. There's there's someone else who works with him as well on state on the state side. But I I have not learned Hebrew that way, but I think it would probably be very effective. Hmm. And I know they do short courses in Israel. They do short courses in the U.S. where you can go and live, you know, live in a context of other students who are all there for the same purpose. So I imagine it would be very effective. I just did it the traditional way. But yeah, you could also you learn modern Hebrew, right? I, I want, if I were younger, I would do the Hebrew Opan, you know, the all of the Beit, et cetera, classes in Israel where you can go and learn modern Hebrew because it really, I think, would help your facility with biblical Hebrew, plus you'd be able to read modern scholarship in Hebrew. Hmm. Yeah. There's Which a I video. Can't do, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. There's a series of YouTube videos by a husband and wife team called Olive with Beth. I don't know if you've seen, oh, seen that. I haven't seen those. But it, it's out. all the communicative living language method and oh, everything yes. is just in biblical Hebrew. So you don't it can oh, be no. for any language. And uh, I've watched some of their videos and they're really good. And uh, both of them are, they either have their PhDs or they're working on their PhDs in okay. South Africa somewhere. I, so oh, they're, they're high quality. So that's yeah. great. There's another company called Biblingo um, that yes. is fairly new, but it's quite good. I've heard really good things about it. Awesome. So. Well, there's lots of resources out there. Yes. Sorry for the slightly nerdy question, everybody. No, no, it's fine. Um, maybe just uh, one or two more questions of sure. what do you think are some practices and routines to adopt to make learning uh, the biblical languages effective? Because a lot of mm -hmm. students I find, you know, they'll, they'll start, but then just feel like they dig themselves into a hole and they don't know mm -hmm. how to study the biblical languages. What are some good routines or practices? Yeah. So you do have to realize at the outset that it is a time commitment, so you can't really add it into a very busy full life. You would need to create space for it in your life. I would say even at least an hour a day or 10 hours a week. It's not something you can kind of cram into your head on the weekends unless you have a photographic memory, which I don't, <laughs> which I did. But if you do, then you've got a leg up on everyone else. But most of us don't have that. And so it's a day, it's a discipline, a regular discipline, which again is why I think it's important to do it with a group or with at least one other person. I do think making use of the tools we've mentioned, like Quizlet and Memorize can be really helpful. Uh, I also think you need to realize you're going to invest in nine to 12 months of learning the, the, the basics, of learning the basics. And then you can actually start reading Hebrew narrative. And so the, it, there's some delayed gratification, which again, you kind of have to know that going in. You will get grat some gratification along the way, but there's you have to learn a certain amount of Hebrew before it's really gratifying. And that, <laughs> you know, that takes about a year. And again, you'll get some little encouragements along the way too, but you, you have to be willing to see it through. So in a part, yeah, partnership with other people, knowing that the, the benefits are really going to come a little, little bit down the road. But then you have, then you can actually get a Hebrew Bible and start reading narrative after just a year. And I think that's really exciting. And then the more you read, the better you become at it. So it, it's a discipline like, like exercise or any learning an instrument, you know, you just have to practice. But it isn't really for the faint of heart, I'll say. It does require a big investment up front. 
other other things. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's really important to know is there's no shortcut. Like, I don't know of any kind of secret shortcut. There are some folks who say, let's just learn to use the Bible software, and mm. we don't really need to know the languages. It'll do it for us. But that is really not true. That's said by people who don't actually know biblical languages because they, they don't know, they kind of don't know what they don't know. I use uh, Bible software, use Accordance, absolutely love it, use it every single day, just about. But it's only useful for me because I have some knowledge of uh, the, the languages. Right. So it doesn't actually do the interpretation for me. It makes it, it provides all the tools I need to do it, but it doesn't, it can't do it for me. You need to know the languages to do that. So I, I'm not at all a fan of replacing language classes with kind of the tools classes. But, but I do realize that seminaries think, sometimes think that if you do that, then you'll get more students. But a lot of schools who have done away with their languages and replaced them have not seen an increase in enrollment. So hmm. I don't think I don't think that's the reason people aren't coming to seminary. I think if we do away with the languages, we're really going to be shooting ourselves in the church in the foot. Hmm. Sorry, it's a little I deviated a little from your original question, but I, I don't know of any shortcuts. That's really what I was getting at. I wish I could come up with something and package it and sell it, but I just don't know of any shortcuts. It's something uh, that you have to invest in. Yeah, I always make the metaphor because I teach uh, New Testament Greek. And uh, mm -hmm. I make the metaphor, it's it's like discipleship. It's just, you know, you're not yes. going to wake up one one morning and be completely holy. You're not going to wake up one morning and know Greek or Hebrew. It, it's a long plod of just walking with the Lord uh, as yeah. you're learning Hebrew and Greek. And that can right. even be a way that the Lord works in his discipleship in you yes. to have, yes. you know, build routines, to build a, a consistency of, of walking with him. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. McDowell, for joining us. Uh, again, the book is The Rewards of Learning Greek and Hebrew. Definitely check that out. Uh, you can find that on Amazon, I'm sure, and uh, anywhere else you get books. And that's uh, been a real pleasure to have you on. And thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That's all for today. My thanks again to Dr. McDowell for coming on. Please check out her book and the resources. They're all linked below. If I could also just ask you to pray for Dr. McDowell, her ministry, as well as this new seminary venture that they are starting in Haiti. We talked a bit offline after the interview about the seminary and the deep poverty that Haitians live in and how these students who come to this seminary, many of them have never even owned a book before. So you'll see there's a link in the show notes if you want to learn more about this seminary and the ministry that's being done there. But if I could just ask you to pray for them and for this ministry and for the Lord's word would go out and it would just be a blessing to those that are there for God's glory. That's what we have. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time.